Hey, 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 y'all. Um, I'm really excited about this episode. Um, so this episode is titled College Saved My Life. And the subtext or the subtitle is Can We Stop Talking Shit About the University? Question mark. Um, but I'm also excited about this episode because it's the, I just check before I hit record, it is the 19th episode of the software podcast, which means we're one episode away from 20, which found, like it feels like a sweet little tender milestone. And I think I want to do something for it. I want to do something to market. I don't know what I'm going to do, but um, that is how I'm entering this space kind of with this bubbly excitement and also like mild sense of accomplishment uh, which feels good, right? A win is a win all day long. Um, really proud of myself for, you know, kind of being a, you know, avid podcast listener. I'm like subscribed to way too many podcasts. Um, and there are so many podcasts I enjoy. Uh, they keep me company and they have kept me company over the years. And I, have been kind of like thinking and wanting to to have a podcast of my own and and of of a podcast that belongs to to the Cedar School community. So this feels this feels really good. I'm also um if you are watching on YouTube, you will see that my background looks complete completely 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 different. Um, I work out of a co-working space and um, they have a podcast room. I have been noticing that the room that I usually book for like my, like my, you know, podcast recordings or my calls with students or my workshops, I didn't like the audio. Like the audio was very kind of echoey. So I was like, let me actually use this podcast room. Uh, there are all these like very aggressive and like phallic mics that I'm surrounded by <laughs> um and I'm like I don't I don't need the mics I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with recording via zoom until it just like literally no longer makes sense or I can hire someone to like help me produce this but until then we're on zoom coming to you from the podcast room with this like beautiful wooden background uh but on to I guess uh, do I call it housekeeping? Um, I guess on another note, uh, this podcast is presented by CETA School. The software podcast episode is, or the software podcast is presented by CETA School. Um, and if you are interested in seeding an interdisciplinary practice uh, through software engineering, right? Maybe you are a writer, and have been thinking about how collaborating with code and building your own software to help your creative process, creative writing process, what would that look like, right? Maybe you are a hair braider and you have been frustrated with the software tools that are available to you. Maybe you are a chef and want to think about what it means um, to imagine algorithms as recipes, you know, or or ingredients or code, um, different different bits of different bits of code as ingredients for some sort of um dish, right? Like there's there are 
an infinite amount of metaphors and metaphorical connections that um, I find inside of software. And I find these metaphorical connections because I feel like so much of the technology that we use, whether it's software, the internet, um, is modeled after either the natural world, right, quote unquote, the natural world, or um, kind of like human behavior, right, and how we relate to each other, what our relationships look like, and how they are fractals that grow, and how fractals are found in nature, and so much of software is like modeled after this. Um, Rayvon is a, a, a student or a CETA school learner, and during our first call, they were talking about how they're working on this project uh, around like how we have named things inside of software that are very reminiscent to um, to code. And I can think of like the DOM tree, right? The cloud, seed data is obviously one of them. Um, and there are so, so, so many more. Um, but I feel like software, because of these reasons, um, is a really, really beautiful tool to add into your interdisciplinary, um, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary, anti-disciplinary creative practice. Um, it's what I've done, and my writing practice and my art practice has um, completely transformed into something that is going to keep my curiosity for a lifetime because of it, because I've integrated this tool and because I've integrated this skill, I should say. So if you are interested in also integrating software into your inter interdisciplinary practice, into your like, uh, you know, wild and emergent e creative ecosystem, then um, please do head over to cdoschool.com to book a free discovery call where we can talk about you know, when your curiosity and code was seated and what some of your goals may be to see if CETA School um, can help you with those. There will also be a link in the show notes for you to book the call directly. Um, and it is a no obligation call. So uh, yeah, we can also just chat. Uh, but again, back to the, the I guess, the, the, the meat of the podcast episode. Um, I'm going to start with reading from the newsletter. Uh, this week's newsletter published on Monday, July 10th, um, 2023. Uh, I'm going to, in our usual way, start by reading this newsletter and then elaborate on it afterwards. Um, and something, a new thing I'm also going to try, which um, I'm already really excited about, is integrating comments from like the software ecosystem or or like the CETA school, uh, the folks that, th that this work is touching. Um, and these are either comments that people have left on the Substack news article, a comment from the, like an Instagram post that I made, or a comment, um, uh, Substack has this like restacking feature so people can comment um, as they restack. So we'll also get into that and again, some, some further elaboration, but let's start off with reading the newsletter. So college saved my life. Can we stop talking shit about the university? Absolutely not. But we can at least add more nuance when we do. Traffic pulls in the usual places like bodies waiting to board toward nowhere, driving up I-95, I'm making my usual pilgrimage from Dawn, Virginia to Prince George's County, Maryland. 
On these drives, I prefer a podcast to keep me company. I particularly gravitate toward listening to interviews with creators who have built products I have found valuable at some point in my life. This led me to listen to a random podcast interview with the founder of Treehouse, an online platform with coding classes for at-home learning. It's a platform I've long admired, so I was disappointed to hear the first full 10 minutes of terribly thin critiques on the role and value of universities. Unfortunately, pitting universities as the scapegoat for the failings of neoliberalism seems to be a trend in the skills-based education space. So much so that it's largely a part of every company's marketing copy, and it usually sounds something like this. Instead of going into debt over a piece of paper, come over here to get the skills you need for the job you want. In fact, I was a lead software engineering instructor at a coding boot camp who ran an ad depicting universities and libraries as these useless dead zones when they are quite the opposite. This type of flagrant audacity from schools that are essentially startups is dangerous. And here's why. Coding schools are adopting this quote-unquote universities are dead marketing copy with syllabi and curriculum completely devoid of any cultural context or political frameworks through which students can begin to think about the implications of the powerful skills they're learning. I will never be able to fully articulate how profoundly irresponsible this is. Let's be honest, we have beef with the university. The amount of debt it locks folks into is predatory. The white supremacist capitalist patriarchy embedded in it shows up as nothing short of violence and ableist colonial, it shows up as nothing short of violence and the ableist and colonial gaslighting of it all has got to go, has got to go, has got to. But it will be irresponsible to not talk about the value it does in fact offer. It does provide a space of intellectual rigor and curiosity that inspires you to question the very fabric of reality you've been told to wrap yourself in as if it were a story all your own, as if it will keep you warm. The act of questioning a fiction instead of adopting it is an invaluable lifelong skill worthy of pursuit. If the leaders of these skills-based education platforms looked just outside of the singular goal of creating employees, we might see this quite clearly. Along with the irresponsible trend of tech education spaces using marketing copy to conceive or to convince uh, marginalized folks to skip university, we are simultaneously seeing a trend of the science community returning to the humanities, collaborating with artists, and remembering the transformative craft of storytelling. This is the grand, often unrealized potential of the university. The generative pursuit of interdisciplinary thought and practice. In 2012, I created my own major, piecing together classes from the computer science, women's studies, art, philosophy, theater, and Black studies department. My degree became a quilt. 
A decade later, I was invited inside a biotechnology company based on a, pr- a pitch to write a nonlinear speculative fiction novella where I put abolition in conversation with synthetic biology. CETA school is rooted in the soil of this praxis of intellectual rigor and interdisciplinary imagination. A devotional practice of looking underneath every story ever told. A practice of tracing my curiosity upstream, then following it downstream again, surrendering to wherever it takes me. A practice learned inside the university. Friends, we can hold both the failings of the university and the pleasure of communal study, which expands our sense of possibility in all directions. This isn't only possible inside the university. We explore this inside CETA school by asking how we might reimagine the value of learning how to code beyond career mobility and toward the space of wild possibility when braided into our existing creative ecosystem. While under a tree older than my grandparents, my great-grandparents, providing the quiet grace of shade, a spider the size of the breadcrumb from my morning pastry is my only companion as I read the words of Magdalena Zeroski essay, Being Human is an all-cult practice. Inside, she reminds us, quote, neoliberalism requires us to limit or suppress much of what is human in us because much of what is human in us serves no economic purpose, end quote. As I read this essay, I think about how much neoliberal policy has paved the way for so much of the software we use on a daily basis. Software created by white men, celebrated for dropping out of college, never having to question their position in a world they create and dominate. College didn't teach me how to code. This much is true. But college gave me the politic of Black feminism and the practice of interdisciplinary study with others. And it is the politic of Black feminism and interdisciplinary studies with others that has saved my life. So that was uh, College Saved My Life. And um, as promised, we have some comments from inside the software ecosystem. Um, The first one is from Shantae Nixon. Uh, Shantae Nixon writes Shantae's newsletter on Substack. Um, And they say, my closest friends were made in college, finding direction for my life and discovering who I am, college. Understanding the value of discourse, college. College has its place in value. Don't like the cost of college, blame conservatives is what Shantae says. And then Rob Cobb, funny side note, Rob is actually, was actually 
my first software engineering instructor um, when I was going through boot camp. So um, shout out to Rob for teaching me how to code <laughs> and kind of like setting this whole thing off, really. But um, Rob Cobb, Rob Cobb is in Rob is just like a super thoughtful person as it relates to um, tech education pedagogy. So I'm really happy that he left this comment. Um, and he writes CS Education on Substack. And he says, nuance is hard to find written down online, especially marketing copy. Still, the more I talk to people working in the higher ed and ed tech, the more I find that most people are thoughtful in their critiques. I might be lucky in who I get to spend time with, but interacting makes me optimistic about the shared understanding here. And then Ada Okere, I hope I'm saying your name right, Ada. Ada left um, this comment actually under the Instagram post that I made about this specific Substack article. And Ada writes, um, data without context on Substack. They say, I agree, even though the quality of my university is not longer as or no longer as prestigious as it used to be, it still provided immense value. I chose an out-of-state school, MD to Detroit, best decision of my life. Observation is the best teacher, in my opinion. Going to a university and observing different lifestyles, opinions, attitudes, cultures, locations molded me into the versatile individual I am now. Each region of the United States is actually quite unique, um, or is actually very unique, they say. University is a great eye-opener. Just wish it wasn't so expensive. So I want to elaborate on um, the newsletter and these comments. Thank y'all so much for leaving these comments. Um, I am going to try to do this every single podcast. So if you are listening to this and you are a subscriber to the newsletter or you follow me on Instagram, um, please do leave a comment on either the Instagram post or um, you can uh, leave a comment under the Substack article itself or you can restack it. And I will uh, pull a com pull the comments from there. Um, but let's just start off by admitting that this title is a little clickbaity. Like, you know, it is a little like college saved my life is a little, uh, you know, what's the word? Is it hyperbole? Hi hyper Why can't I say that word? Y'all know what I'm trying to say. It's a little hyperbolic. <laughs> um, and... I just really wanted to drive home the ways in which college has given me um, the gift of like this lifelong intellectual pursuit and um, devotion to following my curiosity and absolute unwavering desire and commitment through praxis to uh to struggle toward uh, the world that I want to see and the world I want to live in, that was seated in my collegiate experience, right? That and and I'm grateful that that happened at such a young age, right? And it's it's very rare, and I'm sure you've heard 
um, professors talk about this. I'm sure you've even heard, as Rob says, like, I'm sure you've even heard, like, people in, like, the startup school, like, you know, alternative education space speak about this, too. Um, there is something to be said about for either two, four, six, whatever degree you decide to get, to be able to have this dedicated space and time where this time in your life is dedicated to like this expansive space of learning from, with, and through others. Um, that is so unbelievably, unbelievably radical if it wasn't weighed down watered down and corrupted inside of uh, capitalism and the legacy of uh, colonization. So uh, I I wanted to just, quick note on the title, <laughs> but um, also, you know, it's, 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 it's true, but it is a little bit of a, I did want y'all to open my email. I'm going I'm to admit, I want y'all, I wanted y'all to open the email. Um, and I wanted you to click on this podcast episode and you did. So mission accomplished there but 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 stick with me so a couple of other notes I wanted to make was the podcast from the founder of Treehouse was actually recorded in 2018 right so in full like respect to and credit to him you know he may have had some sort of you know grand awakening like we all did in 2020 uh you know I I I knew racism was real, so I didn't have that kind of grand awakening, <laughs> but I did have a, a spiritual reckoning around what it is I wanted to um, surrender my life to as far as a creative practice and as far as um, the practice of teaching. So, um, you know, I haven't listened to interviews with him since that 2018 podcast and there may have there may have been added nuance in the way um, he talks about the value of university since then. Uh, but I also wanted to be very clear about something. And that is interdisciplinary study and political education does not only happen inside of college. Okay? Right? We know this. We have the lived experience of this. It happens on soccer fields. It happens on basketball courts. It happens in hair salons. It happens on the corner. It happens on the porch. It happens in your auntie's living room. It happens at the cookout. It happens in the middle of you doing the electric slide, right? So it this this um education politi- happens in the barbershop, right? There are all these spaces. It happens on YouTube for a lot of people. It happens on Tumblr. It happened, I will say, <laughs> past tense. It happened on Tumblr for a lot of people, right? We we can, there are, college isn't the only space where we can develop interdisciplinary praxis, um, where we can like engage in this mode of both self-study and collective study, right? I want to be very, 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 very clear about that and it's important to be clear about that because college is is inaccessible for a lot of us a lot of the people i love the people i dedicate i have dedicated my life and my work to for so many of us 
college is on or inaccessible um for a variety of reasons right and i and and, and i hate that interdisciplinary study and political education right comes wrapped in the privilege of class um and and neurotypical ways of being learning and socializing it comes wrapped in this um kind of like um imposing um violently subtle way it asks you to abandon all of your ways and of knowing and being that aren't uh, a legacy of whiteness it you know it really it really asks you to completely flatten yourself and strip down of all that you know is true and then um and then asks you to uh, to fight for it and fight against it and publish articles or essays, you know, um, talking about this experience that is being done to you, that is actively being done to you. Um, and then rewards you for, for um, it being particularly um, traumatizing or a new thought or a new iteration, an innovative iteration on the trauma that it it is it is it a it, it is upholding like it's a very the university can be a very sick place <laughs> academia can be a very sick place um you know and not to use not to use um you know sick in this derogatory term right excuse me for that that ableist language but it's a it's it can be very um diabolical is a better way of describing it. It can be diabolical. It is diabolical. Um, so this is actually why I created Cedar to School. Um, it's because I, uh, I, I again, this intellectual rigor and curi and dedication to curiosity, interest and interest in practicing inter interdisciplinary study um, and exploring. Uh, uh, kind of being politically activated over and over again was something that I'm so in love with that for a long time, I thought about, you know, getting graduate degrees, getting my PhD, the whole nine. And then I was like, I don't know if I will remain whole through that experience. And my wholeness is, is, is my priority, right? Survival, surviving is my, is my business. So, um, so I said, okay, what can we do? What can we do? Where, where, where do we go from here? How do we, how can we create a container for others uh, like me who are engaged in independent study and lifelong learning, but wants to do that uh, with other folks, other, other um, uh, curious minded and experimental folks. So um that's that Cedar School is rooted in this this love of learning. Um, so I, I wanted to be clear about acknowledging that uh, while college saved my life in one ways, it's not the only place 
that I could have gotten exposure to this like interdisciplinary eroticism, right? Like this interdisciplinary bliss, joy, um, um, euphoria, right? But it was the way I was introduced to it. So I wanted to share that in conjunction and in contrast with some of the very like slippery and um, problematic marketing copy that we can see around these startup schools and around people teaching these classes and courses, um, I would be weary of the folks who are disparaging as it relates to universities. Um, and and like Rob said, it, it can be hard to inject nuance in marketing copy, um, but I try to do it every day. So it is possible, right? We know it's possible. We there are there are organizations and there are brands and there there are people and there are ideas that have touched us through marketing channels. Let's be real about it. That are resonant with our values, right? And we can access that and we can demand that of the spaces that are teaching us how to be in this world and and teaching us where our what our skills can do and where it can take us um let's be very thoughtful about that and and let, let's be very thoughtful about how um the syllabus can be this this world building architecture uh if we if we look a little closer so um that was college of my life I hope y'all enjoyed this 19th episode. Stay tuned for what happens on the 20th episode. Watch I record this 20th episode and even forget that it's the 20th episode and I'm saying I'm going to do something for it and and uh, watch nothing happens. But, you know, we're making space for that as well. Um, but like I mentioned at the top of the episode, sign up for a free discovery call at cedarschool.com. Um, or via the link in the show notes below. If you are interested in learning alongside me and the other CETA School learners and, and how we how we find softness in technology, uh, how we create softness in technology, um, and, and how we integrate code into our inter interdisciplinary practice or how we um, seed an interdisciplinary practice by learning how to code. I'd love to have that conversation with you um, and explore what some of your, your, your goals might be. So until next week, I will see you very, very soon um, and keep engaging with um, this newsletter and the, the Instagram post. Um, I love to hear from y'all. So until next time, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy, enjoy your week. Peace.